Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Wednesday edition OutKick 360 rolls on from the Fox News radio studios in New York. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul Kuharski is in Indianapolis making it happen for the NFL Combine coverage, uh, both at paulkoharski.com and outkick.com. You can see a ton of videos that uh, they have posted on social media. Follow us at Outkick360 on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, and go check out Outkick uh, for the very latest news and notes from the Combine. And we're just getting started. We've got Mike Vrabel coming up live with us. That will be at 4.20, 5.20 Eastern. Looking forward to that chat where... um, uh, he'll sit down with Paul at the broadcast site there at the convention center in Indianapolis. And and Paul has seen uh, several of the draft's stars, college football stars, walk through and chat with the media, uh, including Alabama wide receiver John Mechie, who is rehabbing his ACL, and he's doing that alongside, at least part of the time, with Jamison Williams. Nah, it's not tough at all. Um Injury is something I played through. I played through injury my sophomore year with my shin and stuff like that. So um, it definitely is definitely not affecting me mentally or psychologically. Um, I played through injury, so this is is not much compared to what I've done. So there, there is Mechie and Chad. We bring him up because he's going to potentially fall later than where we maybe would have thought he would go based on his injury. Same for Jamison Williams. And teams drafting late in the first round are going to have a good selection at quarterback and at wideout. I think both guys are top 15 picks uh, without the injuries. So if you're sitting there in the mid to late 20s and either one of them on the board, I I take them. Uh, I think that's going to be a good pick for someone, either one of those guys. Paul, what do you think about the ACLs at the receiver position and the, the idea that you would be drafting a player not not just Titans focused, but but any team drafting a player where you may not get a full seventeen game slate out of them. Well, uh, I I hate the idea of not getting impact from your first round pick. I hate the idea of not getting impact from your first round pick at, at the beginning of the season. But um, you know you're you're not making a pick for the first half of your first first season you're, yeah. you're making a pick for the long run and we saw the titans you know it's a, it's the most obvious example right in front of us with jeffrey simmons he only missed i think six games made an impact right out of the gate against the chargers in his first game and now um you know uh, he's got a fifth year option that john robinson kind of laughed about in terms of how obvious it is that they're going to pick it up um, and, and he he emerged this year as an absolute stud of a, of a defensive tackle. He's on a, a incredible growth curve, and he's exactly what you would want on a first round pick. So, are you willing 
you know, if, if you say this guy at 26 for a team like the Tennessee Titans in two years, in three years, is going to be an absolutely terrific player, guaranteed, versus this other guy we think will be pretty good, but we're not as certain, but he's definitely going to play on opening day, barring some disaster. I mean, these are things you put on the scale. I, I just that the Titans do it consistently, that we've seen it with Simmons and then again with Farley, who then again got hurt. Seems like, uh, you know, how often do you want to go to that well? Well, and, and these are two stars. You've got Mechie and Williams, who everybody, if you follow college football, you know those two guys from Alabama. A player, maybe the, the casual average fan doesn't know, is it tied in out of Colorado State and Trey McBride. And he's known for having really good hands, um, catching the football. And he spoke today with reporters and openly said, yes, absolutely, I want to be the first tight end selected in April's draft. I think just uh, that I can compete, and I'm, I'm, you know, one of the top guys in this class. And, and just to uh, let them know, uh, kind of everything I'm about, my measurables, things like that, and, and let them know that uh, you know I should be the first tight end taken. Well, th- this is a position, Chad. That's interesting because it's a lot like the quarterback class. I think the group, in and of itself, will have a couple of playmakers, but lesser-known guys that I don't think are generating a ton of talk at this moment. And, and I'm not saying the teams don't know about them. I'm just saying the general media focus right now is normally this time of year on the quarterbacks, on the wide receivers, some tight ends, but you know that guy's not in this draft. We're not going to see a top five tight end in this April's draft. There's some quality there, but it's not the star power at the top of the draft. And I'm curious, you know, who's, who's the Cooper Cup of this draft? Because Cooper yeah. Cup was a guy, when we were there in Indy, started to get a lot of talk right around the combine of, hey, watch out for this guy. Whoever drafts this guy, you're, you're going to feel good about taking him with his productivity even at a lesser level of college football coming from Eastern Washington. Who's that guy? Maybe it's a tight end from Colorado State. Maybe it's someone else we're not currently talking about. But that's a big question I have is there's going to be someone like that in this draft. Who is it? Where do they go in the draft? Paul, Kyle Pitts didn't walk through the door today. But there are some interesting prospects at the position that could come in and immediately start for teams. I, I like uh, – uh, I listened in on several. Greg Dulcich out of UCLA um, is a big guy, uh, tall guy, not the thickest guy ever. He has long hair and a mustache <laughs> and uh, is already calling for a relationship with head and shoulders or dove. <laughs> he said that he will grow his hair uh, indefinitely. And uh, he's got some Taylor Lewan in him. Um, I, I seek quotes, and this guy will be an absolute quote machine. I pray he could play. I came back into Radio Row here and asked Mike Keith, who's got a better depth of knowledge generally and certainly at this stage about some of these guys than I do. He said he can absolutely play. Um, I love this guy. This is uh, officially one of my guys. Uh, Because you know I love the long hair and the mustache. It was the (laughs) quotes more than that. Um, But uh, he's got a lovely head of hair. And, you know, maybe he ends up 
making some big plays for a, a tight end needy team. You know, that, that's an interesting draft I when think, it comes to at the bottom of the first round, early second round with teams that can certainly select their group. We could see a run on that position, especially early second. I think that uh, free agency and um, this draft class kind of offer the same thing. There's, there's uh, maybe not rock stars, mm-hmm. but there is a lot of depth. And um, there are enough free agents that they might tamp down the price of the class collectively. And you know I hate you guys have been here. <clears throat> Somebody will say, hey, have you talked to the Titans? Oh, yeah, I've talked to the Titans. First off, Titans fans then go crazy when the Titans can cut, you know, are going to talk to a billion guys here in some way, shape, or form. And they've talked to a billion at, uh, at the Senior Bowl. they talked to everybody, and they're going to have – a whole bunch of them to their facility. They will talk to everybody that they have any interest in, and it's a list a lot longer than the seven or eight draft picks that they're going to have. And that sets off a chain then when eight other people ask, how, how about the Seahawks? How about the Rams? How about the Lions? Uh, all of which they think, you know, that sets up. But every, uh, virtually every tight end in there was asked about the Titans, and every tight end in there said yes. So the Titans are definitely uh, working the tight ends, and, that, and that's no surprise. I mean, Robinson kind of rolled his eyes, John Robinson, the GM, when he was asked about uh, tight ends because the Titans' tight ends under contract are like undrafted rookies from last year. None of the guys who played are under contract, and they never bothered to replace Johnu Smith after he left. So the cupboard is bare for, for one organization in the league at the position. All the discussion uh, uh, about uh, the upcoming first round is centered around the quarterbacks, how many might go in the first round, where we may see the first one selected in that top ten. It may not be top five, Uh, although Jacksonville did say they're open to trading out of the number one overall pick. I'm not sure if there's a quarterback worthy, uh, a team would view them worthy, of trading up all the way to one to draft their player. But a player that is going to be drafted in the first round at the position is Malik Willis, the quarterback at Liberty, who admitted today that you know football was boring to him. And now it's not because he got really good at the quarterback spot. And he knows what comes with being a first-round prospect. A lot of pressure and a lot of criticism in the media, and he says he's ready for it. I mean, not really. I didn't even really watch football like that until like high school. I, I used to think it was boring, but uh, I used to watch like, you know, uh, Michael Vick, uh, you got Russell Wilson, just all the OGs, Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees, I used to watch all them. When did you decide that football wasn't boring? Uh, when I started like getting better at it. <laughs> <laughs> you had to get better at it, Chad. That's an honest answer, you know, you got into it when I started getting better at it, that's when I was really into it. Uh, so at least that's honesty. And Paul, uh, he was this the was not, he, he was the star of the of the media session at the position. Well, this was not a rehearsed dude by any means, <laughs> and I thought he started off a little a little nervous and a little short, and that he wasn't going to be good. But then he gave a couple answers like that I mentioned earlier. Another one about pressure, like. Uh, uh, pressure and, and nerves, and he said, I, I like to be happy, so I don't look at any of this stuff that I know has the potential to make me unhappy. Kind of like, what are you guys, idiots? Why would you look at any of that stuff? Don't you want to be happy? 
um, which I thought just was like, there's that guy rolled up in a nut, nutshell, right? Uh, he, I mean, he gets it. He, he knows what he needs, and he knows that it's pretty easy. Uh, there's a pretty easy method for him to accommodate what he wants. It makes him happy to play football and play for his team and have fun and not hear criticism from the outside or assessments about what this draft cast, the class at quarterback looks like or, you know, evaluations of his arm or all of that. And so he shoves all that aside. Uh, I, I, I thought he was pretty interesting dude, very real and not particularly rehearsed, which is, as you guys know, very unusual for guys who get spots at the podium here. Maybe I'm way early on saying this. I don't think he will be criticized. Like I don't think they'll criticize his game the same way we were nitpicking Trey Lance at this time last year. Because the perception is the quarterback class isn't ready to start. Um, and I think the debate last year was Trey Lance is in this group is he really ready to start? Where here's San Francisco debating between him and you know a, a couple of other guys that they could have selected with the third overall pick. Curious, Paul, it, it, are you hearing any of that chatter with this quarterback class? Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I've heard several people pump up the quarterback class as um, better than it's getting credit for. We talked about it yesterday, uh, Kevin Colbert, uh, the outgoing general manager of the Steelers, who's retiring after this draft and who may be drafting one of these guys as his final mark on his legacy for a team that's had super stability with Ben Roethlisberger and is now looking for his successor, say there may not be the quantity at quarterback in this draft, but there is the quality and there will be several NFL starters uh, out of this group. I think he almost guaranteed it. Um, but I, I think you raise a really good point there, Jonathan. The standards by which we're going to judge this class over the next uh, couple months before the draft and probably through their OTAs, training camp, and early starts is going to be a lot different. We're not looking for uh, what we were looking for from Trevor Lawrence because they don't come in anointed like that and we may give them a lot more leeway we're gonna say Malik Willis wasn't expected to be very good so we're not surprised here he's taking his lumps and if by chance he plays well out of the gate then we'll give him even more credit because there was no expectation I mean at this time last year we were laughing at the the Bears for naming Andy Dalton their QB1 you know and we were like they're gonna select a quarterback (laughs) they've got Justin Fields right he's going to start this year if you select a quarterback in, in round one, I mean, while the expectation can be they're allowed to start the guy, and I would hope that you draft a guy that high with the expectation in the top 15, top 20, uh, especially if you're making a move to go trade for a guy, you're playing him. But with this class, I just don't hear a lot of talk, Chad, about, you know what, this guy's an instant starter or this guy's going to be somebody that they're going to build around immediately. Seems like there's more Trey Lances in this draft, and even Trey Lance is not going to a situation where Jimmy Garoppolo is the starting quarterback. These are more yeah. of the Trey Lances going to a spot that is quarterback needy, and they still may not start right away, right? That, that's kind of the feeling I get. And someone's going to start right away. You know, one of these guys, I feel like they're, they're going to get an opportunity. But I think you're spot on, Hutton, in that a, a number of these guys 
are going to get drafted, go somewhere to a team that really needs a franchise quarterback and may not start right away because you're not seeing that quality of, oh, this guy's an instant day one starter like, let's say, a Trevor Lawrence from a year ago. Maybe, you know, maybe Indianapolis plays a factor in this QB class. And, and that's where we're going to start with Dan Dockage, who's about to join us. Paul is going to uh, step away and make some rounds and figure out what's going on at the Combine. And when we come back, we're, we'll actually be going back to Indianapolis. But we'll be going to the Casa de Dockage. We're going to talk about his discussion with Chris Ballard, uh, the Colts general manager, what he had to say yesterday at the Combine, what he told him today on his show. And we'll compare that to what Frank Reich said yesterday about Wentz. And we'll also talk some college hoops, SEC hoops with Dan Dockage when we return on Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. We're about to speak to greatness. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. From New York, alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Paul is in Indianapolis, and he's making the rounds at the NFL Combine. Dan Dockage, don't at him. Don't at me with Do Dan Dockage mornings uh, across the Outkick Network. Dan is also in Indianapolis, and he joins us from his studio. Uh, Dan, you have to make it up here. Um, and it, you, I mean, you, maybe you've been here, and they just lied to us. You need to come and check out the Fox News radio setup here in New York and bring Don't At Me on the road. How are you, man? I'm in. I'm in. I'm, I'm, I'm big in New York City. Um, <laughs> very big. And I like it. I love New York City. How's the city? Is the city okay? I've been reading bad stuff, good stuff. Is the city okay? It's amazing here. Um, I, was, I, was, I was fearful that it was going to be a lot like Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago. And since we've landed, uh, Dan, Chad, and I, um, we, it, there's no like mask mandate. Um, it, you know, these these places aren't looking for that anymore. The vaccine mandate's going away in a, like a week, and uh, it's much more relaxed than Los Angeles. Is that how you would describe it yeah, as well, Chad? Very relaxed. I haven't been in one indoor facility where someone's telling you to put your mask back on. Yeah. No, just, no one cares. It's, it's about half and half everywhere you go. The only, people in mask or not in mask, and no one says a word. Dan, the only thing we can't do is go play basketball in Brooklyn. That's it. <laughs> Apparently, not if you're Kyrie Irving, but yeah. uh, you know he can go watch or he can play for a visiting team. That's the <laughs> dumbest thing I've heard. But that know. you know is what it is what it is. Hey, let's uh, let's go to let's think about the combine for a moment because I do want to talk some hoops with you, um, Chris Ballard. Um, you had him on your show. Compare his tone with you today to what we heard from him yesterday and what Frank Reich was saying about Carson Wentz. You know, I got a feeling one of two things is happening here. One, they're either, I mean, they're playing a game of chicken with Carson Wentz, meaning, you know, we're going to we're gonna talk about you, we're going to talk bad about you, and you're either going to get good or, you know, it's our only thing, or they're just going to get rid of him. I got the feeling they're going to get rid of him. I, I, I pressed Chris pretty hard, and I like to read people's eyes and see what they're saying. And I got to tell you, he's, you know, 
there is no backpedaling from uh, from what they have been saying to well he's our guy right they don't say he's our guy they say we're evaluating and i said hey come on now i mean it's not like you guys haven't had time to do this the season was over for y'all you know a couple of months ago he goes look it's a constant process i i get the impression the Colts are going to move on from him i i I could be dead wrong, and I hope I am because I don't know who you're going to replace him with. We hit on that, but I I get the impression, yeah, they're gonna they're gonna move on. Ballard to me, uh, Dan Dockage with us uh, here on Outkick 360. Ballard to me comes across in a much different tone and form than Frank Reich. Even immediately after the game, the loss to Jacksonville, uh, and the the pressers that ended the season. Uh, Ballard is much more direct and focused and abrupt with his answers, and he's not afraid to put the blame on himself. Did he do more of that today in your chat, or is it more about, hey, get behind us because we still feel like our plan is going to work? No, it wasn't to get behind us. It was they feel their plan is going to work. You know, his quote is, you got to believe in something, and I believe in what we're doing. Um, But you're right. Frank is more protective i would say of everything he's more i don't know if it's big picture or spiritual i I don't know but i know this ballard blamed himself and i asked Ballard. i said how much of this goes on frank i mean he the coach and he said a lot you know i mean it but he also prefaced it by saying himself look one of the things that i'm a little bit uh, just it's just weird to me how they're not even a little bit uh, backing off the fact that they're not sure whether uh, whether Wentz is going to be the quarterback. They're not backing off the fact that they're evaluating everyone. He also told me they're going to pay Quentin Nelson. Now, he said 17 to 20 million is a little too high, but he said they're going to pay him. Um, he did talk about they're all blanked off about how the season ended. There's a lot of blame to go around, but I'm telling you, the idea that there's a lot of blame to go around seems to start and end with Carson Wentz. It, it just does. Like, you know, I asked, is Reich going to still be calling plays? Why are we lucky to have Reich, which is what they always say. And I'm just telling you, the tone is different when it's talking about <clears throat> Carson Wentz and when it's talking about anything else, including including Frank Reich. It just is. Dan, let's talk some college hoops. Uh, Michigan looked good last night in a win over Michigan State. And it's a nice luxury to have Phil Martelli and his experience on that bench if you're Jawan Howard. Probably didn't expect to be the head coach in this situation because your head coach got suspended for slapping another coach. But here's Michigan looking good under Martelli right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I you know, people have told me this is as talented a team as there is in the league, and they've been up and down. They haven't really had the pieces fit. But I thought they played great last night. I thought Izzo's team would come in there and, and make it a one-possession, two-possession game by the end of it. But that never happened. And Phil, you know, he knows his way around it. 800 games he's coached. And one of the things, you know, he was involved from the get-go um, with with uh, Juwan. So it wasn't like when I was the interim coach in Indiana, I had just come in. I had come in in the summer. I wasn't involved in recruiting any of these guys. So Phil has a great relationship with them. And they have a ton of talent. And I got to tell you, I I was surprised by two things last night. One of them was that, and the other was Purdue not being able to beat Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin banked a couple shots in. Bad luck happens. But when you line up Purdue 
in a line, their team, and you line up Wisconsin in a line, and their team, and you walk through an airport, 100 out of 100 people are going to say, that's the better team, and they're going to be pointing at Purdue. So it was an interesting night last night in the Big Ten. I, I, I thought Michigan beating them like they did. I'm not surprised Michigan beat them, but the way they did, but I am surprised that Purdue wasn't able to get it done against Wisconsin. Yeah, it was a fun night. Fun night in the ACC also where Duke clinched. This shocked me, Dan. Their first regular season ACC title since the 2009-2010 season when they won a national championship. How does Duke go 12 years without winning the conference in the regular season? That that shocked me to read that because they've had some really good teams over that time. What do you make of this Duke team that, in a strange way, hasn't been as good at home as they are on the road at times? I like them as a Final Four potential team. I'm not saying they're going to get there. I think that um, I like them because I think they have tough guys. I think in Ben Carroll, they have a guy that can go make plays as a big. He can pass it. He can shoot it. Uh, They've got some fearless guys. And frankly, I don't think the teams that are in the echelon of Duke are all that good. I do like Kentucky as well. But I look. When you look at Duke, I am surprised. Like, you know, Florida State may have won it one or two years. I'm sure North Carolina snuck in there and got it one or two years. I'm sure Virginia got in there and got a couple, you know, one or two years and a couple other teams. And when you add it up, all of a sudden it becomes 12 years. But I swear to you, if you'd have told me Duke's gone 12 years without winning the ACC regular title, I'd have said there's no way in hell, none, zero. Um, You know, you think about the guys that have been through there. This is not maybe um, five guys that are going to be drafted team, but this is a damn good basketball team that plays hard. And you know what? I don't know if this matters or not. Who knows when you get in the middle of a game, but there is a bit of a mission. I think that everybody who played for Coach K and is currently playing for Coach K, you know, maybe would have a little extra to try to go out and win this year. I I do. I think – not saying, you know, somebody banks in five threes against you, you're still going to get beat. But I think this team has enough to get to the final four and play for a title. Dan, I'm going to ask you about a few teams that will not be playing in the NCAA tournament. Uh, first is Georgia and Tom Crean. And I'm watching a little bit of the Tennessee-Georgia game last night. Tennessee kind of slept walk through that game and, and won by seven points. But Tom Crean is a surprise to me in that it didn't work out at Georgia. I, I thought... When you had this wave of big-time coaching hires in the SEC, it felt at the time like Tom Crean was another one of those guys. He had great success at Marquette. He had some success at at Indiana, your alma mater. And, I mean, when I say it hasn't worked, it really hasn't worked for Tom Crean at Georgia. What what happened? You know, I think he's just rubbed too many people the wrong way within his own program. Tom Crean, he did not get fired at Indiana because of wins and losses. He exhausted people inside of Indiana. He just did. And, uh, you know, at Indiana, they want you driven, obviously, for basketball. In Georgia, I don't know. But I know this. He had a lot of good players take off on him. And you can survive that a little bit. But when it gets to be too many and you're in that league with those coaches, you're going to get your brains beat out. Um, I wasn't there. I I don't know. I talked to Tom a couple times since he's been there. He's always been very positive about where he thinks Georgia basketball can head and should head. But when you look at the players that have left, I mean, he's damn near lost three of his best four or five players every single year. And I know the transfer portal makes that commonplace. 
But I'm telling you, unless you're not bringing in dudes to replace those guys that are better, unless you're not upgrading, you're in real trouble. So that's what happened there. Tom was relentless with his coaches. He's relentless with his team. He's relentless in recruiting. He's relentless with player development. You can be all those things. But as they always say, man, it ain't the X's and O's. It's the Jimmy's and the Joe's at the end of the day. And I just think he lost too many guys over the course of – how, what has he been in five, six years? I, I just think he lost too many guys. I I, I saw him in person, Chad. Um, uh, Georgia and Ole Miss was the yep. hottest ticket. It was really tough to get into that oh, gym yeah. that day. Packed atmosphere. Um, okay. There's no there's no juice with that team. Um, there were more fans there than what I expected to show up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I sat behind the Ole Miss bench, and Kermit Davis gets after it. Like he he doesn't he's a 500 team this year, but he's getting after it. Cream's just kind of stomping his foot and just going through the motions. If you watch him coach, and it's um he's a pacer. It's a it's he's a guy who's constantly pacing. It's the interesting. Whole game. They don't go on runs. You know, they once they tip off, they're just the same pace throughout the entire game. Meanwhile, well, some of these some of these bad teams can get streaky. Georgia can't. No, and they, I mean, they don't have, you know, it, it's you sat behind it, so you saw for yourself. I mean, when you watch it on TV, you may not understand the level of athlete that's out there, but these dudes are athletic. And if you don't have a couple of guys, and you got to have a couple of guys, you got to have a guy that can get the ball down the court in a hurry, and you got to have one, if not, look, you got to have four. But if you don't have at least two guys that can knock in shots, that can go get a bucket on their own, then you can't go on runs. You just can't. Hey, look, you can in the non-conference season against Georgia Southern, no question. But when you're against the guys that you got to go against and you don't have at least two to three guys that can go get their own, break down a defense, you got a real problem. And I do think this. I think a few weeks ago, a couple Saturdays ago, they had a two-point lead really late against Auburn when Auburn was number one. Yep. And when you're losing and you're struggling and you have that one chance to really bust it through and you don't do it, I'm telling you, that makes the whole thing head south because if you win that game, man, everybody's energized in practice. You start having good practices. You start having guys in the gym. There starts to be a belief. And the way they lost that game, I, I, I've seen it since then. You mentioned it, no juice, and there is – I watched a little bit of that game last night, and I got to tell you, I turned it off because I figured, hell, I might as well go watch Two and a Half Men. It's just as good. Maybe a little funnier. More, I don't more, know. Uh, Ch- Charlie Sheen's got more juice uh, than Tom Crean right <laughs> now. More juice. There's no, no yeah. doubt about that, Dan. Uh, I'm so happy, by the way, that CBS – decided to subject us to Georgetown's 18th straight loss for their nationally <laughs> televised game on Sunday. It was like a, a public execution, but that execution's not going to happen because Georgetown comes out today and says they're standing behind their guy in Patrick Ewing, and they believe in him to turn this thing around. Uh, we've entered that part of the season now, Dan, where there are athletic directors that are coming out making statements if they're going to keep their guy, and that's what's happening at Georgetown. What, what are your thoughts on, on Patrick Ewing and Georgetown? Well, first, I'm a big fan. I mean, I look, like, he's my age. Um, I always wanted to play Georgetown. I remember Coach Knight asked me my senior year, who would you, you like in a non-conference schedule? I said, I want to play Georgetown because I want to punch a guy named Michael Graham because he was the biggest, baddest dude in college basketball, and I want to see if he would beat the hell out of me. So <laughs> Knight laughed, and he, he just said, yeah, you know, that's true. And Patrick's great to deal with. You know, a year ago they won the Big East tournament. They went through it. They, it was a surprise deal. 
I'm glad he got another year. Interesting. You know, I don't think they would have done that to any other coach other than Patrick Ewing, but I'm glad they did. Here's a, It's the same thing, though. Fellas, I'm telling you, it, it, he lost so many guys. I did a game when they were playing uh, a few years ago in the Garden against Duke, and he had this James Akinjo who is now at Baylor who was terrific. He had these guys, and they all quit. Like halfway through the year, he had guys transferring. And, look, I, I get it. The transfer is a big deal. But, again, like Tom Crean, you can't do that. And Patrick has been knocked in the face. I'm telling you, he's been crushed by it. You know, it is interesting, though, and maybe I've said this on uh, on your show, but when you look at Hall of Fame NBA players that became college coaches, they all stink. Like, Isaiah was terrible. Chris Mullen, awful. Sidney Moncrief, nobody was worse than Clyde Drexler at Houston. He's the poster child for just not giving a rat's ass. In fact, when I was at Bowling Green, we got to play Sidney Moncrief's team at Arkansas Little Rock twice in one year. It was the greatest scheduling move I ever made. And we tried every day. I had an assistant every day call Houston when, when Clyde Drexler was there to try to play them. Whatever it is, I don't know the reason, but dudes that were Hall of Fame type players that coach in college, it it just doesn't work out. It it, it just doesn't. I'm glad Patrick got another year. I hope he wins 30 next year, but I'm not betting on him. Dan Dockich with us. Don't at me with Dan Dockich mornings across the Outkick Network. Dan, how many – you asked the question to me on on your show earlier this week, how good is Tennessee basketball right now? And I said – their second weekend good, second week good. Um, how many of the top teams in the SEC are true title contenders to you as we have turned the calendar to March and we get set for the NCAA tournament? Yeah, you know, uh, I think Kentucky is. I, I, I look at Kentucky and I say to myself, you know what, uh, if they can keep their backcourt healthy, then I think they got a real chance. I, I think Arkansas is, and that – you know, I'm, I'm not going to tell you that I sat here and studied Arkansas, but I'm going to tell you that I've watched them enough to know that they play with a lot of confidence. They play hard as hell. I mean, look, when you when it did not surprise me last week. I think we talked about it. You know, in Bud Walton Arena, Arkansas was going to beat Kentucky. I, I just think that they have a swagger about them that puts them. I don't know. Um, you know, puts them in the national final four, lead eight. I think Auburn absolutely can. I do not think that some of the teams that maybe, you know, LSU, they're too crazy for me. They're going to get beat LSU by a team that has a little bit of discipline. I, I saw it last year against Michigan. You know, they went on this run because they get hot, but they're about half nuts every time that I watch them play. So I'm not going to sit here and tell you LSU. I like Tennessee. I don't love Florida. Other than that, you know, I'm looking here. I'm trying to see if I missed anybody. Auburn. Give me Auburn. Give me Kentucky. Give me Arkansas. And I agree with you, Tennessee, maybe Florida second weekend if they get in. So what what's keeping Tennessee from being in that list to you with it, Arkansas and Kentucky? Is it Rick Barnes' history, Dan, in the tournament? I mean, he's he's not a good tournament coach. The record is there, and it's not good for Rick Barnes. All right, here's what I say: like I think Coach Barnes is a terrific coach. Well, I do too. I think Matt Paint. I think Matt Painter's a terrific coach at Purdue. All right, Matt struggled in a tournament. 
One of the things, and again, I, I live my life simple, all right? I learned this a long time ago. You got to make shots in the tournament. You cannot, in the NCAA tournament, make coaching decisions based on a guy missing a switch on defense or a guy missing a switch on a blockout. That's for the regular season. If you can shoot and your team is struggling offensively, you've got to play, period. You cannot try to say, well, we're not stopping. I saw this last year with Purdue. We're not stopping so-and-so, so we got to take Stefanovic and this other guy out so that we don't miss another switch. No, you have to end the tournament, and I think Rick Barnes has been a great coach, all that, but I do think in a tournament, sometimes guys that are more conservative or more fundamental, maybe, I think they get into that. I don't, you gotta say, screw it. Maybe in this game, we gotta have a guy make six threes. And if he gives up four threes, then at least we're up six points from that position. You, you, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah. And I'm telling you, watch this in the tournament. There's gonna be some upsets by some teams that are pretty good, really good. Uh, but it ain't going to be in the 90s. It's going to be because some team with a coach decides, last year, again, I go to Purdue, and Barnes is a you missed a switch, you got to come out. No, no, you missed a switch, you gave up two, go down the other end and hit a three in the NCAA tournament. I swear to God, the one thing I've learned in being out of coaching is the importance of making shots in the tournament. And if you give up a little defense, screw it. Give up a little defense. Tell, and Rick has always done that. Dan, Jeff Goodman's not a fan of yours. Uh, he tweets out that he's so happy to watch Big Ten basketball now and not have an analyst that makes it all about himself uh, in an effort to subtweet you. And then people call him out for subtweeting you. And he says that you blocked him or he would mention you. But he can't because you have him blocked. I thought you recently went on a purge of unblocking everyone. Why did Jeff Goodman not make the cut to be unblocked? No, I unblocked everybody. At least that's what it says here. I can show it to you. I I unblocked (laughs) absolutely uh, everybody. And it says here that um, I did. It says I'm blocking them. Jeff's mad at me because I went at him on a broadcast we were doing together. Jeff should be mad at two people. Number one, Woj got his ass fired. And not me. I got nothing to do with it. He, he tried to take on Woj at ESPN, and that's dumb. And number two, he just wasn't very good. And, you know, when you're not very good, I guess he blames me. He's been mad at me. He's been mad at Seth Greenberg. Be mad at me all you want. I, I really don't care. Uh, but the truth of the matter is I think I unblocked everybody last time I looked at it. But uh, it said you have no one else to block. I'm going to look at it again. Or you're not blocking anybody. And uh, but Goodman, Goodman got only himself. Yeah, look, I got one block to count. That's, That's just him. It. There he is. No, wow. it's uh, it's golf. I'll unblock him too. <laughs> it's golf. Blind guy that loves golf. Oh and, no, uh, Jeff keep, Goodman. Keep that Jeff guy Goodman's blocked. Goodman's a flying. Goodman's a fly in an elephant's ass. I mean, everybody, he should have just been better. And he should be mad at Woj. Shouldn't be mad at me. Be mad at Woj. Woj's the one that got him fired, not me. I got, look, I got no juice. I got nothing. And I actually used to like talking to Jeff. But, uh, yeah, I got, if I'm if he's blocked, you just saw it. I don't know what to tell you. It says there everybody's unblocked except the one guy. 
I got a feeling he's going to be I on knew, Don't At Me next Hutton, week. I knew this would get a great response, yeah. and, and hey, Dan delivered. And once also, I brought it up, I knew it was going to be a great response. We we hosted a party last night, Dan, final 30 seconds because we're up against it. We hosted a party last night with OutKick on a rooftop for the Barrett Sports Media Summit that's in town, uh, in, in the city. Uh, we gave you a shout-out. Just wanted to let you know that uh, although you were not here, uh, you were mentioned. And, yes, we announced that you were number one all those years on the BSM media rankings. So congratulations yeah, guys, uh, yet again. I know what you're doing. I know exactly what you're doing. You're kissing ass to Barrett. I know what you're doing. <laughs> I know what I so, think, Hey, look, you know, I was born at night, but as they say, it wasn't last night, brother. You're up there doing this. Someone's got to do the Trying important to get work, to be Dan. Number one, when you yeah. make your grand return, I know what you're doing. Someone's got to do the important work, the dirty work at times. That's, that's right. That's what Hutton and I are here for. That's uh, right. We, we kiss up to everyone. You're the man, Dan. We'll be hey, out again. There Go ahead. it is. Look at it. There's nobody blocked according to this. I don't know if you can see it. Let's get nobody. this Twitter feud going. We need you guys going back and Absolutely. forth. Absolutely. So you no, can you can tweet I, them. Hey, look, I I no longer Twitter feud. I'm more into politics now that I'm on Outkick. I you know. Outkick set me free. I can talk trash about presidents and senators and Nancy Pelosi and all that stuff. I don't care about writers or media people. Dan Dockich unleashed uh, on Outkick. Don't at me. Uh, Catch him uh, mornings on the Outkick Network. Dan, appreciate you as always. We'll catch up soon. See you guys. Thanks. There he is. The man. Follow him on Twitter, at Dan Dockich, and you will not be blocked. Coming up, Matt Corral spoke to the media. He's not going to be participating in the workouts at the NFL Combine, but we'll tell you what he had to say about his injury rehab from the bowl game where he played, and he was asked if, looking back on it, should he have played? He was asked that again. We've got thoughts, and we'll tell you his thoughts next on Kick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And the Outkick Network includes Sports Radio 104.7 across the Upper Cumberland. Uh, other great stations like Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Florence, Alabama, Somo Sports Radio in Missouri, and more. Check us out on Twitter for the link on how you can hear Outkick 360 if you can't view and watch and stream the show on a daily basis. Matt Corral spoke uh, with the media earlier today, and, and of course, uh, quarterback from Ole Miss, Chad, he injured his ankle in the Sugar Bowl. Still doesn't regret playing. Sparking and a big debate. When for, that, for that, we are very thankful of that mindset. Um, and it's also an injury that's not going to keep him sidelined very long. He's already doing uh, drop-back drills, which he said was ahead of schedule based on the timetable that was first laid out for him. So uh, and he's not working out. He's not going to throw at the combine or anything like that. But this is great news for a guy who is going to give a jolt of energy to the quarterback position. May not start. Right out of the right out of the gate, could, and you know, late first round, uh, mid late first round guy. Um, I I could see him being someone that uh, actually becomes very valuable 
late in the first round, someone's willing to trade up to get him and pay, you know, pay the price of a couple picks to do it. I love his mentality. I think that mentality got him in trouble at times. I mean, he plays the game like a linebacker. He's tough, yeah. Lane Kiffin talked a lot about that, and uh, he probably took some unnecessary hits. And he's not that big. No, not at all. And uh, took some un- unnecessary hits that way. But I-, I said it when he made the decision. I became a huge Matt Corral fan the day he announced he was going to play, and it wasn't even much of an announcement to him. He talked about it. It was never a consideration to not play. You know, He told his team at the Egg Bowl, I- I'm with you guys. Like mm-hmm. I'm-, I'm here because of you. We're on the same team. I'm, I'm playing in a bowl game wherever we go. So I, I became a big Corral fan at that point. He said about two and a half weeks ago he started throwing and running, and he's throwing at 100% right now uh, with the shoulder and everything else that he's got going on. Then you've got the um, uh, drop-back drills he, he's been doing for a couple of weeks. So he's right on schedule. And whenever they go through and have these pro days, that's when Corral will be on full display. And based on what he said, He's going to be 100% at that time. So that's, that's great news for him, and that is going to be one to watch, the, the pro day for Ole Miss, with him and, and a couple of other guys that are just trying to get their name out there. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. And um, Matt Corral, that, that was, you know, during the season, I remember talking about him being the number one overall pick and even going into the yep. season as it started to develop. But he's a guy, because of the injury and some other things, you know, he's not been as talked about. Uh, but I'm a big fan of the way he plays. Again, though, he's got to lower that linebacker mentality a bit once he gets to the next level. Coming up, we go back to the NFL Combine in Indy. News, notes, headlines. We'll hear from Titans General Manager John Robinson. Plus, Mike Vrabel sits down with Paul Kaharski. That is in 20 minutes right here across the OutKick Network. This is OutKick 360 from New York. Wednesday edition rolls on next.